parenting is a practice in optimism. We hope that when our babies are born, they're going to become the president of the United States. We hope that they're going to become the CEOs of a Fortune 500 company, right? We hope that they're going to take over the world and, and really work for good. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, ladies. Hey. Hey. Happy Monday. I hope you ladies had all had a very happy Mother's Day. Today, I am very excited to welcome my friend Tara Clark to the show. She is a fellow Jersey girl, beating my chest right about now, and the creative force behind the hilarious viral Instagram at Modern Mom Probs, which has like 240,000 plus followers, right? 640, but who's counting? <laughs> Just, you know, you lose count at that point, right? Totally. <laughs> She's also a fellow author who just released her first book, Modern Mom Probs, a survival guide for 21st century mothers based on the always relatable content she shares on the gram. Tara got her start in Nickelodeon where she oversaw social media for Nick Jr. and uh, Nick at Night. And she holds a BA in communications from Villanova University and an MBA from Metropolitan College of New York in media management. Welcome, Tara. But first we got our weekly catch up with Heidi. Yes. All right. So we start every show with a weekly catch up just to get our juices flowing. (laughs) So yesterday, obviously, was Mother's Day. We thought because of that, it might be fun to talk about our sort of Instagram versus reality dream Mother's Day celebrations. You know, breakfast in bed, Megan and my personal nightmare. All I think about is the cleanup that I'll be doing later. (laughs) Matching outfits with no complaints. Yes, please. Laundry day off. I don't know. I'll still have to do it tomorrow. (laughs) What's your ideal Mother's Day? Everybody, we want to know, Tara, including you. Please. Uh, It definitely would be not having my family make breakfast because all I could think about are like broken eggs all over my kitchen and having to like scrub that off the countertop. So a hard no to that. Um, I think my perfect Mother's Day would just be be left alone for a couple hours, you know, like maybe just to watch a movie, maybe to watch some Bravo. I don't know. But but then like after like I got that out of my system, then like everyone all hanging out together and maybe going out for brunch. I think that's the thing, right? Nobody wants the kids to cook. Like, it seems so cute in theory, right? But my three kids walking up the stairs with a tray with food on it is seriously my personal health, like personal nightmare. And then food in my bed, like over my dead body food in my bed. Like, I don't want food upstairs. I don't want food in my bed. Like, Last year, my guys, they went to like a gluten-free bakery and got me like every gluten-free pastry possible. And we ate them out on the porch. And that was kind of magical because there was no mess and there was lots to eat. So that that's really my key. And I love the homemade gifts. I really do love a card. My kids are to the point now where they can write, you know, they can actually write words and thoughts. Um, and that is sometimes really, really touching. Um, and, and so I do love the homemade stuff. Yeah, this is Jamie. I, I second that. I was just going to say, like, I'm so much more, but it's not even just homemade. I, I love homemade as well. But I, um, I'm kind of a weird girl in that I hate presents. Like, I get George, my husband, like, won the lottery because I, like, cannot be bothered with presents. I think they're annoying. I don't spend money on something physical for me because it's just not what I want at the end of the day. Like, I, I'm an experienced girl. So for me, my 
perfect Mother's Day, but really my perfect any day. Like this was our Thanksgiving too, which, you know, so many people around the world and for good reason, of course, were boohooing because they could Thanksgiving's ruined, Thanksgiving's ruined because of COVID. We had a very special Thanksgiving because it was just a new way of doing it. I, I'm excited. Yes. This year to go back and see an extended family, but we, we went on a hike at, at sunset, like in, you know, and then we, and then we had like a plant-based dinner. It was the best Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving I ever had in my life because it was designed with my family, my hyperlocal family, the way we like to live our life. And that is also the template for my perfect Mother's Day moments, right? Hiking, going exploring someplace new, sitting by water, literally just nature and just being with my my boys um, and knowing that they also love that. And then also being able to tell everybody to like, shut up if they start fighting because it's Mother's Day and just or wear whatever I say and take a damn picture. Right. Uh, yeah. Being able to like play the, the mom guilt card is also like a real <laughs> bonus. Yeah. I, I mean, I love all of it and I don't disagree with any of it. <laughs> I think the, you know, the collective thought is please know to breakfast in bed. Um, you know, like I mentioned, when I asked the question, all I can think about is like the cleanup for later. And also I'm a control freak and I want to make it myself. Um, <laughs> but I think for me, definitely, um, I lean more towards Tara in that, yeah, I just kind of want to stay in bed. Like that would be my dream would be to just like stay in bed, like sleep in past six. 30, you know, like that would be awesome. It's never going to happen, but it'd be never awesome. Gonna happen. Never going to happen. If we're talking dream friend. world. Um, and, and I think that I would love to not cook for the day, but that would mean ordering in. It wouldn't, there's no one else to cook in my house. So it's me, How me, we cooking me. together though, right? Cause you do such beautiful little like things with your kids. Heidi, I'm always seeing on, on your Instagram, how you guys bake together and you bake that beautiful bread. Cause yeah, I think that's cool. A sourdough. I'm the same way. I don't want anyone else cooking for me because I'm really, uh, I wouldn't say that we're like, I mean, sure, control freak is one word for it, but I just, I'm very, I like to know what I like to eat, what I like to eat. So I just have my own opinions on that. But I do like the act of doing it together. And I think that's yeah. fun. And that's maybe the key is just finding something that you like to do and then having everyone do it with you. I just love cuddles. So yeah, as long as my too. kids and I can just cuddle and take some cuddles, I'd be super happy. Oh, well, that's a good segue. So I'm going to segue us right into our topic. This is Jamie again. So yeah, we love our eight kids. There's eight between the, you know, the co-hosts that are on, on today. Christine's not with us today um, because, because she's busy, not because she doesn't, we said to her, Christine, just because you don't have kids doesn't mean you can't be on the Mother's Day show. Like you have a mom, you know, moms, we love you, but she was busy today. So we're just, we're, it's the mom tribe here today. So we are eight kids strong between us. And as much as we love them, momming can be hard, Right. We talk about this all the time. If you can't laugh, you just might cry. So today we're psyched to commiserate and laugh a little with Tara Clark, who outlines 99 problems facing modern moms in her new book. And picking the baby name is is just one of them, right? So let's talk about this. How did you get into this? How did you start your wildly popular Instagram? Like, what is the beginning of this process for you? Sure. So um, I originally got my start in social media when I worked at Nickelodeon, as Megan had mentioned. And then uh, after my son was born, I actually um, stopped working and I stayed home with him full time in 
But about three years into being a stay-at-home mom, I was sort of like looking for a creative outlet. I was looking for like a hobby, something to do. And so I said to my friends, um, you know, I'm going to start an Instagram page. And they were like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to like make mom jokes. And like back in 2016, like people were like, weren't really doing that so much. Like I was sort of on, on the cusp of that. And I was like, yeah, no, I think it'll be funny. And so at the time we lived in Manhattan and living in Manhattan with children is a little bit different from living in other parts of the country, right? It's not like living in like Omaha or even LA for that matter. So I I would make jokes about living uh, in the city and then we moved out of the city. And so then I had this like existential crisis of like, I can't make jokes about living in the city because I'm not having those experiences anymore. So back in 2017, I switched the name to Modern Mom Props. And then the account just like took off from there because guess what? Everyone's suffering from Modern Mom Probs, right? And so the account is both funny, but it's also uplifting. And so I really try to like weave the the upliftingness with the humor. Because like you said, Jamie, like we have to laugh. If like we're not laughing at this, like we're straight up crying, right? So we have to know that like we're all in this together and that we're not alone. So how old is your son? You have one, you have one son. Yes. Jack is eight. He's eight. And why did I just lose my train of thought? This happens to me now. <laughs> because you're a mom, Megan. Oh my mom God, I just had a mom brain. I'm like, oh, Jack is eight. Brooks is seven and James is nine. <laughs> No, he's uh, he, he's eight and he uh, he was three when I started the account. And I feel like having three year olds gives you like a lot of fuel for content because three year olds are hard. So you create all of that content yourself. Uh, and initially, initially in the beginning, I, I did. I created everything. And then I became immersed with, in this wonderful community of content creators. And so then I found that there were women all over the country, all over the world, doing the same thing that I do. And then we started sharing each other's jokes and memes and all of that kind of stuff. And that's how my account grew. I really like to say that it grew because of the wonderful community that we have on Insta. So what was like one of your most popular memes or like mom moments on the account? I think one that still stands with me now and and every time I see it posted or I repost it myself was it's a side-by-side image and it sort of talks about like expectations, right? So on the left side, it says what I think I would, what I thought I would have been like as a mother and as a picture of like a 1950s housewife. And then on the right side, it says what I actually look like. And it's a picture of like Britney Spears in sweatpants drinking a Starbucks. <laughs> and, and I did that one like, you know, probably four or five years ago. Also back like before people were saying like, don't post any Britney memes or Britney pictures <laughs> and stuff like that. Cause that's like a separate thing now altogether. So you can't really use Britney in content. But at the time that was before that conversation, but The important thing about that meme and why it resonates with people is that we go into motherhood with a certain expectation, right? We're going to bake cookies. We're going to play games. We're going to make sourdough and it's going to be wonderful. And I'm not going to be mad that they messed up the kitchen with the eggs and the flour. And that's what you think it is, right? And then the reality of it is like, no, I'm not like that every single day. And my hair is not you know, up swept every day and I'm not in heels vacuuming. And sometimes I'm wearing sweats and sometimes I'm going to Starbucks for a $7 coffee. Right. And like, that's okay. And so I think it's important to know, like, it's okay to be a little bit of both. Uh, Cause you're not all one thing, all one day and all one thing, um, you know, the next day. And so, uh, you know, on modern mom props, like, it's important to have that message that, you know, it, it's all right to sometimes be Brittany and sometimes be June Cleaver. <laughs> 
And so what was the transition from this crazy popular Instagram to, I think I have to write a book? So funny thing, um, it sort of not fell in my lap, but I was featured in a local magazine. And when I was, there was a book editor. He reached out to me and said, you know, I think that this concept would be really interesting in a book. And so I like to say that my book is sort of the analog version of my digital Instagram account. And so um, he had hooked me up with a literary agent and she shopped the the book around right at the height of the pandemic last uh, spring. And so like all the publishers were like, no, 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 no. Except for this one publisher, Post Hill Press said, yeah, sure. We love this concept. Let's do it. And so that's that's how it and came so you about. Were writing and finishing this book during the pandemic. And you talk a little bit about that in your forward. You had a whole moment of like, maybe I don't finish this book. Maybe this timing isn't right for this book. Can you talk yeah. us through that? Yeah, I, I felt that maybe it would come across a little tone deaf because I wrote it during the summer of 2020, right? I had six weeks to write it from, you know, June to August. And I thought, you know, our experiences as modern moms now are so different, right? Last summer, we weren't just like hanging out in Target and like, you know, drinking our Starbucks and like just like casually walking through Target just for fun, right? That just wasn't happening. And at that time, we didn't know what the return to normal life would look like. And so I wasn't sure of writing about our sort of like, you know, former mom selves like would come across as tone deaf. But I mean, now, luckily, here we are one year later, and we're on the cusp of like a return to normalcy. And it's wonderful. Yeah, we're in such a it's such an amazing place to be like all of a sudden to have things opening up. Like I was like, I asked Heidi this morning, I was like, are your kids going to camp? Because I just signed mine up for camp. Like I get so excited because they're going to be so excited, you know, and and but we've really seen them through this and they have been so brave. I find my kids have been so brave and kids in general have been so brave to watch them, you know, march around school in their masks when all these adults are having problems wearing, keeping their masks on their face. It's just been so heartening to me. And I, I say this though, I think that so many people are like, oh my God, going through the pandemic with kids. Eh, like it's so crazy. And it was so crazy on many levels, but also how wonderful was it to have your family, even, you know, if you're going to be locked up with someone to have your littles and to have that comedy. Cause I think at the end of the day, right, Tara, that's what you, that's what resonates in your accounts and in your book with America is that there is humor, there is levity, you know, and it is at the end of the day, joyful to be a mom. It is absolutely. My son has been doing virtual school uh, the entire school year. So, and, and that's by choice. He had the option to go hybrid or virtual and I kept him fully virtual. And so he and I are inseparable, you know, we're together every day, all day long. I work from home. Um, my husband sometimes works from home and he's sometimes uh, in the hospital. And so um, it's a wonderful time. And I'm going to look back at this and, and remember it as a really special time. I love that. I love that positive take on something that so many people are negative with. Jamie here. My dog Stella was my baby before I had babies. She got me through my 20s and I saw her through to her golden years and always valued her wellness and making good choices for her as much as I did for myself. For all you pet owners out there, you might be tempted to let your dog eat whatever they want, whenever they want, when they give you those big puppy dog eyes. But when you hear that over half of cats and dogs in the U.S. are overweight or obese, and many pet owners don't even realize it, you might think twice. It's always a good time to evaluate the health and wellness of your pet to ensure they are living their best life. 
If you suspect your dog or cat is overweight, consider switching to a weight management food to help them achieve and maintain a healthy weight. You can find great healthy weight formulas from one of our partners, Purina. Brands like Purina One, ProPlam, and Beneful. You don't have to compromise on great taste to lovingly maintain your pet's weight or their happiness. Visit www.purina.com slash health for more info and wellness resources from the experts at Purina. So in the book, you say that the that being a parent is the ultimate exercise in optimism. Can you explain that for all of us, please? It is. And that totally goes back to like what Jamie was just saying, right? It's like, you know, here I was like worried that the book would come across as tone deaf. We weren't really returning to normal life, especially like I said, last June when we were really in the thick of it. But parenting is a practice in optimism. We hope that when our babies are born, they're going to become the president of the United States. We hope that they're going to become the CEOs of a Fortune 500 company, right? We hope that they're going to take over the world and and really work for good. And so as parents, yeah, like we are beacons of optimism. I love that. That's such a fun reframe that obviously makes my heart happy. So the book is, it highlights 99 problems. Wait, what, from, that is the song, right? 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) You're not allowed to say that, are we? if you're gonna have to pay jay-z for that but yeah that's the premise of the book so we got 99 problems but motherhood ain't one and so it walks it through like 99 different topics some of them are serious some of them are postpartum depression uh nursing bullying allyship that sort of stuff and then other ones are like who has the best chicken nuggets and oh my god who does have the best chicken nuggets Well, it depends what you think. Ultimately, I say at the end of that chapter, it's the chicken nuggets that you could put in your kid's hand the fastest. So so it it depends. I mean, me, I I like Wendy's. Okay. Can I just tell everyone I had like a learn? So if you get the nuggets from Chick-fil-A, they're just actual like rabbit pellet size nuggets. So I got a 24 piece nugget from Chick-fil-A, not that Jamie or Heidi would ever get Chick-fil-A, but so I thought I was feeding two kids and I was really feeding like a rabbit because they're like turd-sized chicken nuggets. So that's just, this is a public service announcement. Public service announcement about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A nuggets are turds small. Well, my, my PSA on nuggets is that we do soy-based nuggets and my kids have no idea. They just think they're eating chicken nuggets and they have chicken nuggets. Did like, Dr. You know. Krieger's fake chicken oh, nuggets are the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. I love them. Oh, they're yummy. Mm-hmm. Air Dr. fry those. All kind of nuggets. But what, so my dad, this is Heidi. My dad was in juvenile products his whole life designing. And they have a saying in juvenile products, which is when people are like, what's the best car seat? What's the best nugget? What's the best this? The answer every time is, Baby decides. Kid decides. Mm. Oh, it has that's their answer for everything. That's a good one, Heidi. I like that. <laughs> thanks, Dad. It, it's, it's, yeah, thanks, Dad. Way to go. Pat yourself on the back for that one. No, I, I think that's really important. Like I said, for, for me and what I say in the book is that, you know, it, it's whichever one that, you know, you could feed your kids with that day. So one of my favorites was, okay, it was problem number five, the all-important, off-disappointing newborn pictures, because I think newborn babies look like birds, and even <laughs> my own, like, I'm just like, they look like baby birds. They're not really cute. They're wrinkly. Like, it takes a minute, and I love- I mean, my kids were so preemie mags, the society again, that, like, they were covered in tubes, and it was, like, everywhere uh, for 17 days, so there was no- 
Right. I like, I love calling out things like that. Like, yes, it's okay. They look like baby birds. And also it's okay if your delivery was a shock and you're not in full hair and makeup. Yes. That's also okay. We need to normalize that for sure. Yeah. I, uh, my, my son Mason came out giving full on side eye and I actually just, it was like, I just had like, um, a reminder. It was like, they came up in my memories on my, on my phone. And it was like on this day. And it was like literally at him in the hospital, like giving like stank eye. And I was like, oh, he knew he came out with knowledge. He knew what was up in the world. And he was like ready for battle. I also love problem number 35, which is birthday parties, because I once had a mom mentor tell me you can say no. You don't have to go to every, your kid doesn't have to go to Emily Sue's birthday party. Like you don't have to say yes to every birthday party. And once I understood that, it was so freeing. That is freeing. I'm going to take that advice, Meg, because <laughs> I, I know. Say, is that a thing? I feel like that's <laughs> not yeah, I, I, I always feel, yeah, like you have to go, you have to get the gift. You have to sit there the whole time. You eat your like <laughs> tiny little like three quarter piece of like pizza there. You drink like the lukewarm fruit punch that they give you. And, and you know, you endure that for a couple or hours. You say, and, no, the, the waiver. Can you talk about the waiver in your book? The bounce house waiver. I pissed my pants on that one. <laughs> or did I just say piss my pants? I meant LOL. <laughs> So at the end of the chapter, uh, or the end of that problem, I have a graphic and it's essentially saying that like, you're signing your life away from like broken bones and diarrhea and, you know, sickness, maybe infectious disease and all of those things. It's like, bounce till you break something, LLC. We'll be held harmless in case of death, December, diarrhea, or disappointment. I feel like it's- Disappointment too. Someone always cries. Someone always cries in the bounce house. Diarrhea. Yeah. That word is always just fun. It's just gross and funny at the same time. I love that we said it now, like a, a about I mean, five times on the show today. Well, my father's thing when we were little kids were like, if we wanted to call, if we wanted to call out sick, you had to write a note to the, the teacher. And he's like, that's fine. If you want to play hooky today, I will tell the teacher you had explosive diarrhea. Do you still want to stay home? Because I'm about to write that note. And it was like, I think I'll go. <laughs> you had to really evaluate. I think I'll feel better. And you're like, well, <laughs> that's really work for it there. Well, now in post-COVID land, when everybody has bouncy houses at their own home, because we all needed to entertain all of our children while they couldn't interact with others. um, In your book, you have 10 rules for a successful play date. What are they? Please tell us highlights. Yeah, yeah. I think without going into all of the 10, can I tell you like my absolute favorite tip for play dates? Yes, Yes. please. You ready? Play dates are my personal hell, FYI. And also just come to my house so that I don't have to do pick up and drop off. I feel the same way. I'm the same way. I'm like, just, just bring them here. Just, just keep them all here. You're welcome to come here. I can't promise I'll watch them. (laughs) Drop them off. (laughs) I'm either crafting or MIA. So, so my tip for uh, successful play dates are keep them short, especially with younger children. I think we as adults, as, as mothers, think that like, oh, the kids need to be socialized and they need to like have a lot of friend time. Now, the problem, especially with the toddlers and probably up until the age of maybe like six or seven is that play dates go on too long. And then at the end of the play date, you know what happens? Someone breaks someone's uh, Lego castle or someone takes someone else's doll and then she's hitting her over her friend over the head with the same doll. You have to keep it short so that the kids can leave on a high note. You want the kids, when you pick them up, and, and that's assuming that you're not necessarily even staying there for those the time, you want to pick the kids up 
and ask them, did you have a good time? And they say, yeah, I had a great time because we did X, Y, and Z and this and that. So keep the play dates to 90 minutes or two hours okay. for younger kids. It's great. Only tip. for older kids, then you could go like that two hour, two and a half, three hour thing. Because nobody wants to be dragged out of someone else's house, like holding them like a football or, you know, a surfboard under your arm. Yeah, like no we've all seen that the kind of thing. Damn it. Yeah. You know, like, that's what it is. You want to end it before it gets to that point. You want to end it where the kids still feel confident and good about themselves in that they're not, like, kicking, screaming hot messes trying to, like, shove them into the car. I think that applies to dinner parties and, like, yeah. grown-up play dates Everything. as well. Mm-hmm. 90 yeah. minutes and out, folks. Yep. Human that's interactions. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I that's like that. it. I like that rule. So, so that's, that's my thing. And actually, I learned that through a friend of mine. She's a psychologist. And when my son was young, we kept having these issues play dates either like you know it would end in fights or somebody would hit somebody or whatever it was and she said no 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 tara cut it short that's it like 90 minutes get them go and even if at towards the tail end of a play date you want to put on a show and let them watch the paw patrol or whatever it is then do that (laughs) let them like wind down it doesn't have to be go 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 play 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 bounce house bounce house trampoline the whole time because you know what's going to happen disaster can I ask you a question to the collective group, definitely to you, Tara, but just to everybody about like tech and social media? Because um, we had talked about this like earlier, and I know you cover it a bit in the book, and I'm finding it so interesting. Like my two-year-old says, okay, Google, I don't even want to say it out loud because I'm going to then, I'm going to call up the powers of Google yeah. and she's going to start trying to do things here and like get all of my business. But he'll, he'll say like, okay, Google, play Paw Patrol. And he like, it's so crazy that he has an understanding and acumen. My, I remember when my my older um, child was 18 months old and I was showing him something on my phone, a video and a notification came through and he swiped it up. And I was like, damn, bro, you are 18 months old. How did you know how to do that? It was alarming. So my yeah. biggest concern is that my my kids are becoming, are, or well, at least one of them is actually becoming a small human and eventually it will be a preteen. And like social media scares the crap out of me. I'm actually glad that I have boys because it's slightly less scary. Sorry, Heidi and Megan. Um, but like, really, I, I just can't even imagine because I think that the stress is tenfold for mom, um, girl moms. Except that Charlie can make my reels for that's me now. True. So that's good news. He's really good at TikTok, Charlie. I need to that's get there, Megan. I need my kids to be old enough. Yeah. She did my transition on my flower toast. I was like, you get it? She kills it Girl. because your reels rock. I'm just going to say, follow yeah, follow. That was a really good one. I saw that. that Charlie, Charlie Murphy one. made that. But like, what does everyone think? I mean, like, I'm wondering because I definitely am guilty of too much screen time at times when I just want them to like, shh, because mommy's working. And that's like a terrible thing that I own fully. I, I do it. But I also don't beat myself up because everybody, it we all do it. And that's a fact, right? That's modern momming. So like, what do you think about that? Are you asking about social or about about social tech screen time? Like, where are we? Can we have like a a state of the union? Come to Jesus. Like, should kids be on social media? What's going on? Are we are we like rotting their brains with the tablets? What's happening? So this is Heidi. Did you watch that? What was the documentary on social media? The social experiment? Yeah. You know, none of the none of the higher ups that any of the social media platforms allow their kids to be on them. None of them. You're right. That's true. And I think. That and and listen, it's one thing for me to say that and know that it's not okay. And like the studies of depression and anxiety that correlated to social media were mind blowing and terrifying. But it's it's easy to say that and talk about it, right? But then to keep your kid 
themselves off of it is is a whole other ball game when all of their friends are on it. Blah, 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 you know, um, Tara, maybe you can tell us about like some sort of guardrails or like I don't even know what you could do to the phone to like program them not to be able to do it. So long. I think phone because kids are like having a mutiny outside of my door. Sorry, oh. friends. <laughs> No, but like, I think right now with all of us, you know, whoever's in virtual school or has been in hybrid or whatever the situation is this past year, specifically, there's been so much screen time. So like now more than ever, like the second I walk away from my kids on a weekend to have a 30 minute yoga session for myself and my husband's like, here's your tablets. I'm like, come on, (laughs) you know, but I, I just feel like this year he's great, but I feel like this year, um, more than ever, I want to limit the tablet time, but it's hard. No, I, I, I agree. There, there's so much to, to tackle there. I, for one, am just as guilty of it as anybody else. My son, as we speak, is upstairs on his iPad right now playing Roblox because when mommy has calls or podcasts and stuff like that, that's what he does. Roblox um, is AKA real money for fake things. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, hey, you it's, talked about that. It's yes. the worst. It's Paul actually children to get sucked into that. It's the worst. It's, it, the worst. it's really the worst. Um, I don't like him playing that game, but um, that's what we're doing at this exact. It's like addictive, and it's like and, nobody dies, but you spend money, real money, for fake things. That's all yeah. you need to know. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, or, and or babysitting dollars. I guess is how you could look at it. I guess that is true. That is that is a good point. But I, I think the important thing around screen time is setting boundaries and parameters. So in my book, I I interviewed my friend, um, Becky Kennedy. She's a PhD. She's wonderful. You guys would love Becky. She lives in the city. And she talks about parameters around um, screen time. So before you hand over the tablet or before you turn on the TV, say to your child, you can have 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it happens to be. And make sure that they're in agreement of that. Because then when you come back and ask them to shut it down, they're not surprised. It's not that it's the first time that they're hearing that all day. And it's hard to make that transition. But once you do it time and time again, then they become used to it. I I sort of coined a phrase called screen fiend because my son turns into a legit screen fiend if he gets too much screen time, not enough play time. And and it just like sort of scrambles his brain. But if you could set these parameters and either, you know, say, I'm going to set a timer. You get 30 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm going to come and I'm going to take it back. Then go flip through a book because for kids, I can't read, you know, go look at a book, go play with your Hot Wheels, whatever it happens to be. And then for other kids, and then also another thing too, is with my son's iPad, I keep it in a high shelf. So when he wants it, I'm physically giving it to him. And so that he can't just go wander and just grab it at any old time, right? Like he could turn on the TV at any time, right? Because he has the remote controls and I'm okay with that. But as far as just grabbing the iPad and just being in the iPad all the time, you just can't have that. And then the other thing I always like to say too, is like people are more important than screens. So let's say grandma and grandpa are over, right? And grandma and grandpa want to talk to you. They haven't seen you. It's been weeks since they've seen you. You need to acknowledge them as a person, look at them in the eye, talk to them for a couple minutes. I'm not saying talk to them for three hours, but acknowledge that they're there because screens, because people are always more important than screens. I think it's funny too, like these days, I have to like bribe my kids to go outside and play. Whereas when I was little, I would just go outside and play and never come home. And it would be like, okay, it's dark and it's dinner. I guess I should go back home. Like kids, it's like, 
No, go outside and play. you have to go outside and play. And if you play outside for X amount of time, then you can earn 20 minutes of screen time. It's crazy to me of like this different generation. But we also police them differently where it's like, don't cross the street. Don't ride your bike to nowhere. Whereas like, I mean, my mom never knew where the hell I was. I'd be like on a bike <laughs> to somewhere and it's no your yeah. bees, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. We're, we're living in such a different time now with like modern parenting and sort of like, like cultural of, of fear or idea of fear, right? Like that you're not going to let the kids go play in the backyard by themselves where we were playing in the backyard by ourselves. With knives, right? Like we were in the backyard right. with like, knives. I mean, we were probably like for me, I was like in a stream somewhere, like probably like picking up like frogs and stuff like that. My mom didn't know where I was. Um, not that she didn't care. It's just that that just, wasn't. There was not part. that same concern. And I feel like there was Very probably hard. like more kidnappings and stuff back right like people hitchhiked and there were vans i mean i feel like <laughs> there was just no like 48 hours mystery or dateline so we weren't as scared like you know what i mean you're hyper aware and everything's a murder yeah. show that's totally true there's a really good book by an author her name is kim brooks and the book is called small animals and it's about this entire concept it's about like the dateline the 48 hours and like sort of like our cultural culture of fear that goes into all of that it's a really interesting read at first i started reading that i was like i don't know how i feel about this book but then by the end of it, I was like, oh, that's really eye opening. So I think kind of to like wrap this up with a bow, because that kind of just made me think of, of something. I kind of feel like I'm in two modes, one of two modes constantly. I'm either like my life is run by fear, like everyone's maybe going to die and yeah, I'm terrified of making a mistake. Do you know what I mean? Like the world could explode at any minute and I'm operating from there or I'm just operating from like, you know, the, the place of, of joy and I'm just happy and serene and love being a mom. Um, it's hard to find the in between, right? Like I kind of find, I kind of feel like like it's hard to find the in-between your normalization of motherhood is the type of thing that promotes the in-between, right? Like it's okay to sometimes not be okay, but then also just a lot of the times be really joyful and, and, and have a lot of laughs. So is that kind of a good place to, to wrap it? I'd love to hear how that resonates for you and how you kind of convey that to your audience. Jane, I'm totally going to like jump through my computer and give you a hug because the fact that like that resonates with you is like, that's my goal. That's what I'm trying for. So if it comes through, then thank you. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Jamie's good at that. She just like, she nutshell shit. That's what she does. nutshell. Well, I love a nutshell and I love a lightning round. So can we move this party on to the lightning round? So we always do a quick lightning round, Tara, with our, um, with our guests. And I'm going to ask you three questions. That's the mm-hmm. number three. I just gave you the number two, but that was incorrect. I was like, I'm going to ask you three I've questions. I've got one <laughs> question. That's so tired I am, guys. I'm going to ask you three questions. They're super quick. Don't overthink them. Number one, morning or evening workout? Morning. Number two, what is your favorite workout? Bar method. I Ooh, love bar workouts. I love bar method. It's franchised, right? I think there's one here. It is. Bar method, love that. And then number three, coffee, tea, or matcha? Um... Coffee in the morning, tea in the evening. Oh, I, lo- I love a girl with a plan. Yeah, no, no. I'll have like two cups of coffee. Like I have like one in the morning for for like breakfast, and then I have another cup of coffee for lunch. And then after dinner, my husband and I got into drinking sleepy time tea. We have a, a friend who like always drinks green tea with their dinner, like every meal, like every dinner, they always drink drink green tea. And so then they sort of got us into that, and so now we drink tea after dinner. Well, I vote for sleepy time, not green. Yeah, I, like <laughs> I like, I like there, sleepy but... time. I'm all about sleepy yeah. time. Totally. All right. So our very last segment is called Karma Call. 
<laughs> Megan just says it too awesome for me not to pass that to her, but I am the yogi. So I will explain to you that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So what is one actionable item that you could give our listeners to do for like a week or two, small item, giant result, what might it be? Don't look at your phone first thing in the morning and don't look at your phone right before you go to bed. How? So, like, how do I know what time it is? <laughs> yeah, Ariana Huffington. That was like a big thing for her. Is that what she said? Oh, God, I like that I have something in common with her. <laughs> she made a bed for family phones that you, you can like buy it to- on Amazon. It's like a real, it's yeah, a little bed they don't for make your phone. Any profit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that interesting. Cost. Oh, that's interesting. So for me, I try to put my phone in a very different part of my bedroom. So that when I go to sleep, I'm not saying that we don't watch TV. Like my husband and I do sometimes like watch TV before we go to sleep, but I really try hard to not look at my phone. And then same thing with, um, with waking up in the morning, I recently read something and I'm totally going to like butcher this as I say it, but like, um, when you wake up in the morning, your brain has different like wavelengths, like Delta wavelengths or something like that, or you're in theta or I don't know, like I said, I'm going to butcher it, but your brain has different wavelengths and it takes time in order to, um, come to your like regular everyday consciousness. Right. So when we look at our phone first thing in the morning, it sort of like stunts that and it like tricks our brain into like not being like its best self. Again, I'm totally butchering this, but, um, I think it's interesting. And I, and I can see the difference between like when you sort of come to naturally and then, you know, 30 minutes after that, then look at your phone is different from like waking up instantly and then grabbing your phone and then looking at, and then like tweaking out from like, you know, the news stories or your email or whatever it happens to be. So it's sort of a matter of like coming to start your day more naturally than that. But again, I, I butchered the science. <laughs> No, it's a great one because it's a dopamine fix. And here we are talking about trying to not have our kids be screen fiends, but then we admit it in the same breath that we all are. So that's a good takeaway. That's I'm going to acknowledge that and own that. Thank you for bringing that to light. And thank you to everybody at home for listening in today. What a fun show. Don't forget to subscribe to our show anywhere podcasts can be consumed. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off The Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time. Yay. Thank you for having me. Thank you.